Isn't that a beautiful graphic? Don't you just love it? Encounter. That's what we're going to be break. Well, that's what we're going to be speaking about for the next three weeks, I think. Encounter. What a good way to start the year, hey? Encountering God. That's better. That that's great, Amy. Thank you. That's great. So, welcome to Family Church Waterlooville. If this is your first time, I think there's a few people that might be the, might be your first time. You're welcome. Wait until after the service. We have free. Tea, coffee, biscuits, lots of good fellowship, lots of chatting that goes on after the service and before and during, actually. Listen, this is one thing, hey, I need some feedback here, so I need a response. It's very lonely up here. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Caleb. (laughs) Thank you, Johnny. We need lots of feedback. Okay. So are we ready for the Word of God today? Yes, praise God. That's what I like to hear. Right. Let's kick off straight away. Zechariah 4, verse 6. This is our scripture for this church, for this year. This is the word of the Lord to Family Church, Waterlooville, to Zerubbabel. Say that, Zerubbabel. Pastor Andy can't pronounce it. He says Zerubbabel bubble or something. It's like, how do you get Zerubbabel bubble out of Zerubbabel? But anyway, but this is the word of the Lord to us in Family Church, that it's not by might, that it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word that God has given to Chris and I for this congregation for this year. And just a little bit of background to this scripture. This, uh, this guy, Zerubbabel, had the responsibility. He's in the Old Testament, in case you're not sure where he is. He's in the Old Testament, and he was given the responsibility to rebuild the temple. And the the the... The actual work had been delayed, and it was very slow. It was very slow, and Zerubbabel needed encouragement. And next thing, he had a vision from the Lord, where he saw this. Um, he had this vision of these of these olive trees in the temple. And um, there were these pipes that were running down from these olive trees directly into this receptacle, receptacle in the temple. These are big words, eh? <laughs> but um, but and and this is when this is when the angel of the Lord says to Zer- says to Zerubbabel. He's like, what does this mean? What does this mean that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit? You know, um, what did I want to say about that? That the temple would be built, that it wouldn't be based on Zerubbabel's ability. It wasn't on his natural ability. It wasn't in his own strength, his own individual strength. It wasn't even by his own clear thinking or his initiative. And, you know, we can do all these things in church. Right, the next thing we're going to do is alpha. We're going to do alpha. Um, well, okay, move on. Okay, connect groups. We're gonna do, and, I mean, these are good things. These are right things. But we really feel that this scripture is for us. You know, after lockdown, man, we were planted in 2019 from heaven to congregation. And um, great excitement, fantastic. It was brilliant to see. We were growing. We grew, f- we outgrew this room. We went into the King's Hall. It was great. And then came lockdown. You know, I wonder where are all those prophets 
these guys that prophesy this, that, and the other. We never heard about this lockdown coming. But next thing, lockdown. And we thought, okay, we'll be back by Easter. Uh-uh. Try like 18 months later. And in the process, what happened was like decimation. So we replanted. We felt a bit like Zerubbabel. You know, when we planted, when we were planted out from heaven, the scripture that was given to us was from Zechariah 4.10, which says, who has despised the day of small beginnings? Who has despised the day of small things? And it goes on, it says, so, so we don't despise the day of small beginnings. So even though we've had to plant and we've had a lockdown, we've replanted, we've had another lockdown, we've replanted. This is like number four, replant of this church. But so we're not despising the day of small beginnings. Because look what it goes on. It says, these seven uh, rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. What's that mean? It means that Zerubbabel is still going to do the work. The plumb line is a measuring thing that they use, I think, in building work. I didn't look it up, so I'm not 100% clear. But it is something that is used in building work. And he says, the these seven rejoice to see, it's going to be completed. These seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And it's the same thing for us. It's not going to be by might, by the strength of many. It's not going to be by power, by one person. But it's going to be by the Spirit of the Lord, but in collaboration with the work of the flock. We are all needed. This is it. The, the, the seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. So though the work was empowered by the Spirit of God, there was still work to be done. Zechariah still needed to do the job. There were no shortcuts. And it's the same thing with us. There's no shortcuts. There was something I wanted to bring out. What I liked about that scripture, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Um, by the time he said this, Zerubbabel had been sitting there for 20 years amongst the rubble. 20 years. So if Zerubbabel can get through it in the Old Testament, how much more? We've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Come on. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God in you, in you, in you, in you, and me. We're going to do this together. So what God does in us is of far more importance than what he does for us. What he does in us is of more importance than what he does for us. And so today, we're going to embark on this new mini-series called Encounter. We're going to encounter God, which is the purpose of the prayer meeting tonight. It's the purpose of the fast. It's, let's, let's purpose in our hearts. This is what we're going to do today. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God within us. But we need a fresh encounter and so in preparation for this today, I was just, I can think of a thousand and one examples. But one of my favorite from the Bible, from the New Testament, has to come from John chapter 4. And I'm not going to, we're not going to go there, okay, it's your homework. Uh, read John chapter 4. It's about the woman at the well. And I love, this is one, probably one of my top favorites uh, um, of, of stories, in, of accounts in the Bible. And we know the story that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. 
He was traveling from Judea to Galilee, and he needed to go through Samaria. Now, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get on so well, okay, because Samaritans were classified as half, like half-breeds, if you like. They didn't like each other the, uh, politically, racially, spiritually, religiously. They really didn't like each other. But I love the fact that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. And I don't believe that the Son of God does things by accident. <laughs> I just have that faint suspicion that he does things on purpose. And, and I think, you know, we all have our favorite little bits in the Bible, and this is one of my favorite bits, is that Jesus had been walking from uh, Judea down to Galilee, or up to Galilee, but he, he, the Bible says that Jesus wearied sat thus by the well. The Son of God was tired. He was tired. And he sat thus by the well. And it's like, he sat thus, what does that mean? He sat thus by the well. It's like he was waiting for someone. He had an appointment with someone. And it was this Samaritan woman who arrived at the well at midday. Out of time, normally women would come together at, at break of day, early hours, before the sun had risen, but it was midday. It says so in the word. It, it, was, it was midday. And Jesus was hot, tired. And this Samaritan woman arrived at the well with her water pot, and Jesus asks her, give me a drink. Jesus, the living water, says to this woman, give me a drink. And Jesus, they enter into this discourse, they have this conversation, and I love it, because, you know, he says, give me a drink, and, he's, and she doesn't respond in a way that you'd think. He's, she says, why are you, being a Jew, asking a drink from me? Like, the, there's, no, there's no sort of flow to their conversation at all, but instead she brings in thoughts. Everything that Jesus speaks about, she'll bring in a little um, something, like she'll, she'll start talking about worship, She'll mention, oh, you must be a prophet. You know, she brings in all these religious terms and these religious words. And, um, and Jesus says to her, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he says, you say rightly that you have no husband. In fact, you've had five. And we don't know what happened to those five. We just assume this was one of the bad girls of the Bible. But maybe not. Maybe all five had died. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. But she'd had five, and the one that she was with wasn't her husband. And so this woman was surprised that Jesus knew everything about her. And, and, um, and what Jesus says to her is, look, what you have need of is living water, this living water and, um, and eternal life. And we know the account. This really impacted her life. And the Bible says she left her water pot and she went into the city and she told all the men in the city about this man Jesus and what he had done and what he had said to her. And they came back to Jesus to meet him. And as a result, half the city was saved. They believed Samaritans believed in Jesus. They were saved through one woman's encounter. One per chance. Was it per chance? I don't think so. I think Jesus is very deliberate. Another account. Man, we could be here all day. <laughs> I've got 25 minutes left. Okay, look at Zacchaeus. 
You know, Zacchaeus, I just love the account of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. And the Bible says that he was a chief tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was like the chief tax collectors. And what, chief, what the tax collectors would do was they sort of bump up the tax bill. Something like our accountants recently did with us. They bumped up our tax bill by mistake, and we found their mistake. So I think we're going to call them the chief. We're going to call them Zacchaeus from now on, Chris. I think that's it. Their name's Zacchaeus. But anyway, <coughs> but Zacchaeus was this chief tax collector. So they would just sort of skim. They would add things to people's tax, and they'd skim it. They'd keep it. And this guy, Zacchaeus, was very rich, very wealthy. He lived in Jericho. It was an affluent city. And, um, and so, and he, he was the chief tax collector, so he would skim what had been skimmed, and so he was really affluent, this guy. But the Bible says that he sought to see who Jesus was. And, and, and it goes on and says that he was of short stature. He was a short guy, okay, he was vertically, eh? Chris says there's nothing wrong with short. <laughs> so he was of short stature, <coughs> a short guy, and, um, and there was a large crowd, and Jesus was on his way. So what did Zacchaeus do? He climbed up the sycamore tree, and he wanted to see Jesus. <coughs> Why? He was pretty desperate. He'd heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see who is this guy. And I love what it says in Luke 19, verse 5. Oh, Johnny, you've crossed it says, when Jesus came to the place, what, to the sycamore tree, to this place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up, and come down, for today I must stay at your house. What I love, Jesus knew him by name. Jesus knew him by name. How did Jesus know his name? Because he's the son of God. Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And Jesus knew him by name and invited him himself to, have, to stay at, at Zacchaeus' house. And then Zacchaeus' response. So Zacchaeus made haste, came down, and I love this, and received him joyfully. Received him joyfully. This sinful man's life, this extortioner of extortioners, the sinner of sinners, this guy that was lost, became born again. He received Jesus with joy, with joy. And the Bible says that after his encounter, he went and repaid fourfold that which had been taken. So there was restitution. There was repentance. There was restitution in this man's life. What an awesome account. And today we're not going to start a new doctrine that we all have to go climb up a tree, okay, or go to the well, although David this morning had drawn the water at the well. I saw him carrying a flask. But we're not going to start a new doctrine that we have to climb up a sycamore tree. But we are <coughs> going to take time during January to posture our hearts, to be intentional, to to position ourselves to receive Jesus afresh into our hearts joyfully, with great joy. Do whatever it takes to encounter Jesus in a fresh way in our hearts. 
whether it means like the woman at the well. I love the fact that she left her water pot. Her water pot was, was important to her. I think it's like today's handbag, you know, for us girls. We, everything's in it, you know, lipstick, hairbrush, necessities for everyday life. But this woman at the well, she left her water pot. She had need of that every day, but she was willing to let go of the natural things to seek God. Letting go, of, that's what fasting is all about. It's about letting go of the natural stuff, making room for Jesus in our hearts. The same with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus lay aside his limitations. You know what, he could have said, uh, you know, it's no good, I'm too short, the crowds are too great, there's no way I can get near him. But he lay aside his limitations and he did something about it. He climbed the sycamore tree. He made sure that he had an encounter with Jesus. And that's what we're going to do this, 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 this year. We're going to start off this year in the same way. We're going to posture ourselves. What does it mean to posture yourself? It means to position yourself. And I was thinking about this in terms of, of, of a game of sport. Um, rugby, anything that entails a ball. Uh, rugby, cricket, tennis basketball, cri cricket, did I say, golf, no, not golf, not so much golf, okay, take that one off the list, but those, those kind of games where you need to receive the ball, okay, you don't go catch the golf ball, okay, <laughs> just made the change of rules to the golf game, but in order to receive a game, in, in order to receive a ball, whether you're a football player, or you, you need to position yourself to receive that ball, and Psalm 32, 8 says that God will guide us with his eye. He will guide us with his, with his eye. He'll lead us and he'll guide us. He'll say, which way are you looking, God? Which way are you looking, Jesus? And he says, you know, sometimes, you know, you get that look from your spouse or from your parents, you know. Um, then you know, oh, oh, I better go that way. I better do this. Hey, Johnny, I'll just guess. Yep, right. <laughs> but let's not get distracted. Let's not get diverted, and let's not get distant, but let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's set our hearts, let's set our minds on encountering God. And so, but in order to encounter God, I just want to cover a couple of points here. There are, a, we need to choose the right mode. We need to choose the right door in order to encounter God afresh in our lives. And we're going to just look one, at one door, a couple of doors that we need to avoid. So one door that we need to avoid is the door of pause. The door of pause. Not, the door of pause means we're not going anywhere. We're static. To me, it's almost like, you know what it's like when you, when you go, go onto a threshold of a door and you stop in your tracks Sometimes you forget why you're going into the room, but that besides the point. <laughs> I can see a lot of nods there. But, um, but that's the worst thing, is when you're about to go into a door and you stop within that, within that doorway, with, on the threshold, you don't go in. You just stay there. It's static. There's a lack of zeal. It's neutral. It's beige. It's neutral. It's inactive. And we cannot go into 2023 on, from a door of pause. 
We cannot. We can't go into 2023 based on last year, based on 2022, based on any revelation, as great as it might have been. We can't just keep relying on what was behind us. We cannot just be on pause, just ticking over. Because the next step to, to pause is passivity. Passivity is the next step. And that, that can become a slippery slope. Passivity is a slippery slope. Let's look at Psalm 1. <coughs> Psalm 1. And I love it. Thank you, Johnny, for underlining those words. But look at this. Look at the regression. Look, at the, look what happens here. Blessed is the man. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. It's like we're standing in the doorway. We're standing on the threshold. And he says, blessed is the man. Who, you're going from a walk to a stand. We can't do this. That's a pause. Because after that comes passivity. And that's not where we want to go. So we're going to avoid the door of pause. And another door that we want to avoid is the door of regression. The door of regression. The continuation of that Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. And he goes on, he says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, the mockers. There's a regression. There's no good thing about regression. It's about going backwards. It's about slowing down entirely. You know what? God's kingdom is, a, is an ever-increasing kingdom. Of his kingdom, the Bible says there is no end. And the Bible also says that the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We cannot be on pause. We cannot be regressing. We have to be alert. T Hebrews 10.39 says, we are not of those who draw back to perdition. What's perdition? Hell. We're not those who draw back. That's what regression does. You draw back to perdition, but we are not those, okay, family church? We are not those who draw back to perdition. We are not slowing down. We are not stagnating. And we are definitely not going on strike. Bless God. We are not going on strike. I don't care what anyone else is doing. We are not of those who draw back to perdition. So we've looked at the door of pause. We've looked at the door of regression. And now there's a better way. And it's called the door of advance. This is it. Here we're coming into land now. It says blessed, verse 2 of Psalm 1. Blessed, in other words, happy to be envied. I'll carry on, I'll just do it in the background. Who is the person who doesn't work, walk according to the door of pause, the door of regression, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Do you know what that word delight means? It means to make yourself um, delicate. Blessed is the, Lord, is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. 
I love this. I thought of this this morning. I was trying to remember what I'd thought. You can measure your delight for the word of God by how much hunger you have for it. How much are you delighting in the word of God? Delighting in his presence. But he goes on. He says, he shall be like a tree. She, they, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. The door of advance is fruitful, whose leaf also shall not wither. Our leaves aren't just going to become crunchy and brown like autumn leaves. There's gonna be, we're going to be fresh and flourishing. Hallelujah. And whatever they do will prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. This is where we experience, this is where we encounter God, a fresh encounter of God. It's like the children of Israel they had to have fresh manna. And that's what I felt during the worship today, was that we were eating of the goodness of God, that taste and see that the Lord is good. The, the children of Israel couldn't live off yesterday's manna. They couldn't lift, live off regression or pause. They had to get fresh manna for every day. And the Word of God says that His mercies are new every morning. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. We can come to the bread of life. Jesus himself, we can eat of him. We can eat of him and encounter him afresh. And he says in that scripture in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Like the woman at the well, she wouldn't thirst anymore. Let's be like that Samaritan woman. Let's hunger and thirst for God. So we've looked at the door, of, um, the door of pause. We've looked at the door of regression. We've looked at the door of advance. But I just want to cover a couple of other things that we need to be on the lookout for when it comes to encounter. Some things that can hinder us. I didn't want to share this today. I wanted to do it last. But I thought, no, we have to lay a foundation. It's no good learning about this afterwards. Let's be well prepared, okay, for encounter. So these are things that we need to watch out for. We're a Pentecostal church, so there have to be three Ps, okay? So these are three, three things that we need to look out for. And they are passivity, procrastination, and pride. Passivity, procrastination, and pride. Now, this scripture is for those who didn't make it today. Okay? Here we go. Praise God, it's not for any of you. No, no, not yet, not yet. Ephesians 4, 13 says this. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Now, here's the shock. That was, that's from Ephesians. It was written to the church. Arise, O sleeper, and awake. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Come on, people. Not us. Those. Those people that are sleeping. It's time to wake up from our spiritual slumber. It's time to wake up. There's no time to be weak, weary, or worn out. Oh, I love my alliterations. There's no time to be weak, weary, or worn out. Look at Proverbs 6. 6. In the New King James, it says, Consider the ant, you sluggard, 
It's like a sluggard. Look, I love what it says in the message. It says, you lazy fool. (laughs) Maybe he doesn't say it like that. But when I read it, it's like, you lazy fool. Look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. An ant. An ant. Nobody has to tell the ant what to do. All summer, it stores up food, and at harvest, it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a little folding of the hands, as the New King James says. A day off here, a day off there. Oh, I don't feel like going to church today. Ah, no, it's too cold. It's raining. It's too hot. I'm tired. Oh, Sandy, stay on focus. A day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. That's po- It's horrible. And that's not just like poverty, rich money poverty. It's poverty of God. It's the soul. It's a leanness of soul. I don't want that. I know you don't. You know what? Zacchaeus would have missed his encounter if he had been passive. He would have missed his encounter. But he recognized his need for a savior. And he recognized that his need for a savior was greater than retaining his dignity. You know, sometimes we've just got to be fools for Jesus. I remember making that statement, and boy, have I lived up to it. But I'm willing to be a fool for Jesus. Who's going to join me? Anybody else going to be a fool for Jesus? Let's do it. (coughs) But he realized his stature was going to hinder him. But he didn't want that to hinder hinder his... his, um, meeting with Jesus. So we've got to shake off lethargy. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. Remember, she said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. She pressed through the crowds. She was desperate. She was desperate. She wasn't passive. She was desperate. She tried everything. So how desperate are we? So passivity. Next thing is procrastination. Let's put it off till tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. You know, diets, going to the gym, all that type of thing. It starts on a Monday. I've never heard somebody start a diet on a Friday as they eat their curry or their fish and chips. You know, diets don't start on a Friday night. Diets start tomorrow, okay? Just want to clear the house out of all the bad food over the weekend, and then we can start on Monday. But that's what procrastination is. As they say, I think in Spain, mañana, hey? means tomorrow. In, in, in Afrikaans, it's more is noch dach. Tomorrow's another day. Don't worry about today. Tomorrow's another day. But we can't start. We can't leave an encounter with Jesus. We can't put it off for another day. I need him. You need him. We all need him. Let's, let's not procrastinate. You know, James says, you know, that what is your life? We can't say what will happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? It's like a vapor that vanishes. It's here today, gone tomorrow. So this, some of this is bad news. But we need, we need to hear it. We can't just keep putting off until tomorrow. And then finally, pride. God's, the Bible says that God resists the proud. 
but he gives grace to the humble. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, let him who think he stands take heed lest he fall. I think it's important for us to assess ourselves correctly. We've got to assess ourselves correctly and beware of logs and splinters. You know, let's not look at the splinter in your brother and your sister's eye, but let's take out the log out of your own eye. And I know I've had to do that this very week. Reading my Bible, I thought, hmm, so-and-so needs to read this. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, Sandy, you need to read it too. <laughs> so it's, it's pride. And so what's the best way to deal with pride? Starve it. Just starve it, which is a great opportunity to advertise our seven days of prayer and fasting. What a great opportunity to fast. And to fast means you, 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 let, you let some, allow something to leave you that you will feel. Whatever it might be, food, drink, whatever it might be, sugar, uh, um, social media, whatever it might be, it's, up to, it's between you and God. But so long as you feel something leave you, and you know what happens is that when you allow something to leave you, you're making room for something to come in. We're making space for God to come in. The Bible says that, you know, we draw close to him, he draws close to us. That, that, that concept of we, 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 we lay us aside in order f to receive from him. That's that scripture from Hebrews that says taking away to establish, which we shared last week or, the, or the last year or the year before. So how do we keep our relationship with God fresh? What can we do to encounter him? We've, just, we've spoken about the pitfalls. We've spoken about the doors. But what can we do to encounter him? Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is my scripture. I'm sure everybody feels this is theirs, but this is, like, this is my mind. This, delight yourself in the Lord. That word delight, I said, it means delicate. And it can, can, can sort of sound, but that's not very masculine, especially if you're a male. You know, oh, I'm going to become delicate. You know what it's about? It's about your heart. It's about your heart, having a delicate heart before God. And it goes on and he says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. As you delight yourself in him, as you soften your heart to God, he will put his, de his desires in you. So we need to have a desire for an encounter with God. Delight yourself in him. And as you do so, you will desire more of him. You will desire more of him. There's no limitation to how much of God we can have. No limitation. We limit him. We say this far, no further. Don't mess with my pigs. You know what I'm saying? Don't mess with my pigs, my sin. But God says, no, I want all of you. God wants us more than we want him. He wants us. He wants to do a work in all our lives. So have a desire for encounter. Secondly, create an atmosphere for encounter. Whether it's at home, whether it's at work. You know, if you're out in the, in the, in the business world, wherever you might be, be the difference. Be the difference. You don't have to preach, but you can be the witness, be the example, be the difference. Creating an atmosphere for encounter in church. You think, but yeah, but we have worship and we have the word. And, but you know what? Everybody can create more of an atmosphere for encounter 
in church, engaging in worship. I mean, I just loved the worship this morning. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Kristen. We please come back, okay? Please come back. I know we've got a date in the diary for March. So um, I'm so pleased about that. But let's engage in worship. You know what? Let's, let's do all we can to engage in worship. Engage with the Word. Engage with the Word. Be open to the Holy Spirit. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit in conversation with, with each other. You know what? Maybe God lays a, a word of encouragement on your heart to give to somebody else. That is how we create an atmosphere for encounter. If, if there's one thing that Chris and I desire the most out of this church, it's this, that people leave here having encountered God and leave here in awe of him, in awe of God. That's what we want. We've experienced it firsthand. We've experienced it firsthand, and we want everyone to experience this for themselves, that you just behold, that you just behold, that you just behold God, and you're in awe of him. You're in awe of him. When you leave here, let's not talk about, I mean, you can. We're not dictating what you can talk about, what you can't talk about. But let's talk about God. We're in church. Let's talk about Jesus. Come on. What's God doing in your life? And if he's doing nothing, well, then say so. Then let's pray for one another. But let's encounter God. We're going to create an atmosphere for encounter. We're going to create some pull away. We're going to create some room, some space in our life. This is the third point. We're going to create some space in our lives. You know what? We've lived in a small house and we've lived in a bigger house. When we lived in the small house, every cupboard was full. We moved to a bigger house. Every cupboard is full. We just fill every space. You know, you just even if you just spread it out a little bit thinner, and it's the same with our time. We use up every minute of every day. It's meetings, 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 or whatever it is on your, on your radar, whatever it is in your diary. But let's create space. Let's create some pull away with our time. Let's be, let's, let's be good stewards of our time, even if it means getting up half an hour earlier Let's get up half an hour earlier, 15 minutes earlier. 15 minutes earlier. You know, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place to spend time with the Father. And let's do the same. So we're going to create some pull away. And then we're going to make room for encounter. Make room. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you. Whatever God highlights, obey him. You know what, maybe there's things in our lives that aren't pleasing to God. And maybe we're oblivious. And sometimes God needs to prompt us. And this is what we need to do is it's time to declutter. You know, I don't know about you, but we put away our Christmas tree. I was so glad. Oh, I like, I like routine. I like life back to normal. And it becomes cluttered. Christmas becomes cluttered. I mean, it's good, it's good and all that jazz, you know what I'm saying. But it's time to declutter, it's time to put that stuff into the loft. But it's time to, to get rid of stuff, time to get rid of toxins that build up in our lives. They can, they can creep up, they can suddenly 
add on to our lives. We don't even realize that they're there. Unforgiveness, offense, gossip, slander. Come on, let's get rid of it. If someone comes and gossips, take that person to the person they're gossiping about and say, okay, now, now have it out with them, please. That's a way to end it. There's no, no such thing. There's no place for gossip, okay? We're going to be gossip-free. We get rid of this stuff. But we're making room by the removal of something. By, by removing something, we're making room for something that God wants to do in our lives. God needs that room in order to do something in our lives. And I'm going to finish it with, with Psalm 107, verse 9. It's a very unusual um, translation of the Bible. It's called the Christian something or another, something I've hardly heard of. Anyway, but it says, He quenches the thirst of the soul. God quenches the thirst of the soul and satisfies the hunger of the heart. How many are thirsty? Yes. How many are hungry? How many have a hungry heart? I'm not satisfied. God's word says he quenches the thirst of the soul and satisfies the hunger of the heart. Let's be like the woman at the well where Jesus is sitting thus in your life. He's sitting thus waiting for you to spend time, to encounter him in your life. Like Zacchaeus, like Zacchaeus, he was deliberate. He wasn't passive. He was pursuing the things of God. So let's refresh our first love. Let's refresh our first love. Would you like to come up, um, Caleb? I don't know what you're going to play, but just play something nice that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> but listen, the church is the... Come on, come on, Kristen, come on. You're going to lead us out in worship today. We're going to encounter God today. Who's in a hurry? Not me. We're here. The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the bridegroom. You know what? I don't know how many of those who are married have experienced first love, you know, and, and the bridegroom, you know, he just woos his bride. And I really have the sense that that's what's happening today, that Jesus is wooing his bride that's us. He's drawing us to himself. And so let's respond. Let's respond to him. So Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that you quench the thirst of our soul and you satisfy our hunger, the hunger of our hearts that only you can fill. Lord, I pray for every single one of us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we will lay aside, we'll step away from that door of regression. We'll step away from that door of pause, and we will embrace the door of advance. Father, we're going to lay aside passivity. We're going to lay aside procrastination, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of encounter with you. Thank you, Lord God. We're going to lay aside pride. We're going to lay aside anything that's clogging our hearts, that's coming between you and us. Lord, we want to just lay it down. And I thank you, Lord, that you satisfy the hungry soul, that you quench our thirst. Lord, we are thirsty for the living water. Lord, like the woman at the well, we are thirsty for you. We are thirsty for you. Thank you, Lord, that you fill us afresh today. Fill us afresh today. 
If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity today. You think, oh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. If you don't know what it means, it means you, you haven't received him yet. But Jesus is longing for you today. He's drawing you to himself. During the worship, during the preaching of the word, during, just during this, t- this morning, you've just felt something tugging at your heart. And that's the, that's the love of God. So if you want to receive him today, why don't you just slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Anybody here? Jesus isn't on auction, but he wants to, he wants to make all things new in your life. Father, I just pray, Lord God, for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord God, that you, you quench our thirst, that you satisfy our hunger, and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Lead us out in a song, will you? Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship God.